Hey friends, I recently got to keynote at the Mississippi State Worship Night sponsored by Kappa Delta. It was a really big, fun group. And the most exciting part about it for me is I got to share the woman at the well story. This is a story I don't normally share when I go to colleges, but this particular event was called Worship Night. It was a faith-based event. So I got to share the story that changed my life. And you guys, the feedback was incredible. It was so encouraging to get so many DMs afterwards from girls who I guess something I said just mattered, and it's so inspiring that this story that changed this woman's life 2,000 years ago and also changed my life and is continuing to change lives today. We talk about all kinds of fun stuff, though. All the normal stuff I get to talk about when I go to colleges is wrapped up in here as well. Get ready to get inspired. Here we go, my keynote that I shared in Mississippi State. My name is Katie Bulmer, a former heartbroken and hungover sorority girl. After I stopped looking for love in all the wrong fraternity boys, God blessed me with a husband who shows Christ's love to me every single day. We are parents of two daughters and thousands of others nationwide, and my heart behind everything I do is to give you truths. The world is screaming at you a bunch of lies, and I don't want you to hear those loud voices. I want you to hear the true voices. Grab your earbuds, grab a chai tea, and let's talk about some truth for your 20s. Mississippi State, I'm so excited. I'm actually born in Biloxi. Any Biloxi friends? Okay, so exciting. And we're going to talk about why I believe sorority girls can change the world. Does anybody else believe that? Okay, okay, a few of you. Hopefully by the time we're done, all of you will believe this. But I have a few promises for you guys. My promise is that you will leave these doors with some different truths than when you walked out, than when you walked in. I hope that you will leave inspired, and I hope that you will understand that there are different and better ways to go Greek. So we're going to talk a lot about some fun stuff, but what I need from you is some feedback. So everything you see me do started with coffee dates with my younger friends, which is, of course, a one-on-one kind of thing, right? Which means I want to hear from you. So if I say something you like, give me a woo or something. Yeah, you're already doing that. I love it. And these things, they're the best. They're the best. (laughs) We're going to talk about how sorority started this, by the way. The very first time I was speaking at a sorority, I heard sorority girls start doing this. And I'm like, what is this snapping thing? Y'all invented that. Congratulations. Okay, so who am I and why do I have this crazy belief that sorority girls can change the world? Well, it started with kind of the hats that I wear and who I am. So I was, in fact, a sorority girl. Any, any 80 pies? Okay, yay, you, you showed up. Awesome. I was an 80 pie at Georgia Southern University. So I was indeed a sorority girl. I am a mom to two little girls. Being a mom of two girls makes me very passionate about the next generation of young women. I am a yoga instructor, which I realize you're like, what does that have to do with anything? Well, you will see at the end, because before you leave today, you all have to do a yoga pose. And I promise it will make sense at the end. (laughs) And I was a marketing major. Any marketing majors with me? Okay, a few of you. I worked in TV, print, radio, all that good stuff. And so somehow all of that melted together to this message that I share now. 
And that started with a t-shirt brand you may have heard of. Half of you are wearing them, right? <laughs> okay, this brand of t-shirts gave me a huge aha moment. I was working in the t-shirt industry selling bulk orders of t-shirts to colleges, okay? This is about 2013. At the time, the trend was the teeny tiny little baby doll t-shirts. And then about 2013, I kept getting more and more requests for comfort colors tees. I had never heard of comfort colors tees. So I'm like, what, what's going on with comfort colors? Is it a new thing? Come to find out it's a 30-year-old company. Okay, do they have a new product or maybe a celebrity endorsement? No, they actually found out in 2014 their CEO was on his deathbed. This company was doing no additional advertising, doing nothing to promote themselves, but for whatever reason, unknown to the t-shirt world, sorority girls decided that they liked these t-shirts. Next thing I know, every time I go to put in an order for these Comfort Colors t-shirts, I have to click a disclaimer saying, yes, I understand there will be stock shortages. Yes, I understand you're out of stock in chalky mint. That was the color that was all the rage. Yes, I understand you're out of stock in this color and in that color. Comfort Colors was flying off the shelves. And I'm, you know, my marketing brain is like, hmm, trying to figure out what's going on here. So I dig a little deeper. I'm like, I know, I know what's happening here. Beyonce must be wearing the t-shirts. That's, that's the only explanation. Because <laughs> this unheard of brand that the company did no additional advertising for is flying off the shelves. Well, the same time I'm doing t-shirt sales over on college campuses, and I see these cute little sorority girls in their messy buns and their oversized comfort colors t-shirts. And I'm putting two and two together, and I'm thinking, did sorority girls make it a big thing? What's happening over there? 2014, Gildan, which is the biggest t-shirt supplier on the planet, realizes what's happening over there with this little mom-and-pop shop that can barely keep up with demand called Comfort Colors and says, we would like to buy you out. Oh, and by the way, we'll pay you $100 million for your brand. This is unheard of in the t-shirt industry. Brands don't sell for $100 million for a t-shirt that was unheard of, for a brand that did no additional advertising or celebrity endorsement. $100 million. If you're like me and you've never held or tasted or smelled that much money, if you are though, call me. Um, I'm going to tell you how much that money is. $100 million is almost 800 median-priced homes. That's like going to the biggest neighborhood in Starkville just saying, I'll take all of them. I'll just take all of them. A year's salary for almost 2,000 teachers. Who wants to be a teacher? $100 million will pay your salary for 2,000 of you guys. Or a year's income for almost 2,400 families. That is how much $100 million is, you guys. Like, simmer on that for just a second. That is a big, big deal. And it's much more than just t-shirts because you guys know, I don't understand this, but sorority girls wear their comfort color t-shirts and they put a pineapple on their head and they make the little kissy face. Y'all know this. And next thing you know, go to any boutique and you'll see pineapples on pop sockets, pineapples on flip-flops, pineapples on lamps, on throw pillows, on t-shirts. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Sorority girls think it's cool, therefore it is. Same thing happened with these 
Uh, they're called spirit jerseys. Y'all put the letters on the back of your shoulders. It looks so cute on Greek row. Next thing, everybody wants it. By the way, anyone have sisters in high school? I biological sisters in high school? Yeah. So what you do is so trending. They want to do it too. Whatever you guys do, it looks so good on Greek row. They want to be a part of it. And the last one. The, the disco girl. <laughs> All I know is we have a neighbor who's 15 years old. She's like our, our girl's adopted big sister. She comes every one day, Miss Katie, I want to be a Visco girl. I'm like, what? <laughs> All I know is sorority girls, y'all make stuff trend, okay? Y'all are the trendsetters. And I didn't just make this up. I, when my book first came out, I had a conversation with Youth Trends. Youth Trends is a company that actually defines what is cool. Okay, you probably never thought about this. But the people who in these high-rise executive offices for companies like Samsung, Coca-Cola, and Nike, they refer, they rely on this company called Youth Trends to tell them what is cool. Because the high-rise executives with their Mont Blanc pins and their overweight belly and their balding head, no offense, no offense, they don't know what's cool. Don't tell them I said that, okay? But they rely on companies like Youth Trends to tell them what is cool. When my book first came out, I had a conversation with Youth Trends, and she tells me, not making this up, guys, she says, we look to sorority women to define what the next big trend is. She also said sorority women in the South. I'm not making this up. And I don't remember all the details, but she actually may have said it's Starkville, Mississippi, <laughs> Mississippi State, because Youth Trends knows that sorority women in the South are huge, huge trendsetters. This is a big deal, because what if you guys made something more important than t-shirts a big deal, a big trend? Traits of Hope and The Penny Story are two organizations that I absolutely love. I'm sporting Traits of, I mean, Penny Story right now. This is a bracelet with just a little penny on it. And you guys know how a penny gets lodged in the seat of your car and kind of forgotten about, right? Or in the cracks of the concrete. What The Penny Story does is takes these forgotten about pennies, brushes them up, shines them up, puts them on a cute little jewelry, and stamps the word worthy on there. And their proceeds go to support A21, which is a company freeing women in sex trafficking, forgotten women, and freeing them and cleaning them up and telling them that they're worthy. Isn't that beautiful? And Trades of Hope is a similar organization. Women in remote third world countries who have no other way to provide income, they partner with these women in these remote villages and say, we want to give you a better way to feed your children. We, want to, we don't want to have to see you sell your body. That's awful. We want to make you make jewelry and make it beautiful. Here's a crazy idea. What if sorority women got a hold of something like that and started posting pictures on their Instagram like they did with comfort colors? What if a $100 million thing was those red pair of earrings because they're really cute? You know what I'm saying? You guys could flip the economic model of some third world countries. I know I'm a dreamer, but I don't think that is too far-fetched. You have huge trend-setting power. The companies who define what is cool for Samsung said so. You guys have incredible trend-setting power, and I think it can be used for more than just T-shirts. Where is my executive board, people who have on executive board? 
A few of you? Okay. That means you have a budget. Am I right? Okay. That's good. <laughs> that means your sisters voted on you as the best likely candidate to use these dollars in that role. No pressure. That is a responsibility and a privilege. What if you could take your budget and use it for some incredible things? Just, just an idea here. But the girl who buys uh, gifts for all the new members, what if she bought bracelets from a company like Penny Store or Trades of Hope? How big is your new member class, roughly? 30, 50, 80? Big classes, awesome. <laughs> what if you bought 80 bracelets? That'd be huge for a company like that. That's the kind of power I'm talking about. So what if you have to buy coffee for the next, the next event? There's something called fair trade coffee. It's a simple thing, but it makes sure everyone down the line from the farmer to the person who pours the cup is treated fairly. I'm not asking you to write a dissertation on every dollar you spend. Sometimes you got to go to Target and Costco. I get it. But sometimes you can take a minute to think about how big and how powerful your buying dollars are and do some really cool, amazing, world-changing things. All right, y'all still with me? All right, all right. So here's another crazy idea for you. I'm glad you're sitting down. What if you took one social, one semester, and took it to your community and served? When I was an advisor at Georgia Southern University, I got to see a group of girls do just this. Now, they have a big sorority. It's about 225 girls, which I know is about the size of you guys, too. So one Saturday, one semester, they decided to take a social, the dollars and the woman power that they would normally spend on the social, and bring it to their community. So they had a group of 20 girls go to a pet adoption. A group, a big group here of about 40 girls make a community garden at a low-income school. They had a girl, some girls go sit with an elderly at a local retirement home who didn't have a lot of visitors. They had some girls help with a soccer game. They had a girls paint a floor at a fostering agency. Basically, they just went to the community and said, how can we help? One social, one semester, the dollars they would normally spend on a social. The city was so excited about it. They did a newspaper article about it. They had the news come and do a story on it. Two years later, I went back to the same town. That garden still exists. Those, gr those girls are still impacted. This was a much more long-lasting thing than that one social, that one semester. Listen, I'm all in favor of a theme party. Sign me up for 80s prom any day. <laughs> but what if you could take this one little thought and bless your community? Here's a tough question. If tomorrow they said, sorry, no more sororities here at Mississippi State, who in the city would miss you the most? Would it be the bars who serve Tequila Tuesdays? Don't act like I don't know. <laughs> or would it be the local nonprofits who miss your partnership? What will you remember when you're 30? I'll give you a hint. You will not remember Tequila Tuesday. <laughs> you will not remember that on Wednesday. But the point is, <laughs> these are lasting ideas that can make a much, much bigger impact. Um, any social chairs here? Okay, everybody write that down and tell your social chair. I hope to see this take off as sorority women 
take this idea to their community and serve. And out, it would be crazy cool if every community with a Greek life was excited when a, when a college started having Greek ministry. They were like, oh, great. They're going to start having sororities and fraternities. They're going to cause trouble. No. What if they're like, oh, gosh, I'm so excited because I know how awesome they are. I know we can rely on them to help with our children's program. I know we can rely on them to help build a community garden or whatever it is. It doesn't matter, but you can go to the community and say, how can we help? Those are the kind of world-changing, really cool ideas I see as possible for sorority women. All right, everybody good? Because we're about to get juicy up in here. We're about to talk about sex. Here's the best part. Here's my favorite part anyway. We've talked about how you can change the world with your buying power. We've talked about how maybe you can take that to the community and serve. But what if sorority women changed the dating world? This is when you do one of these. Yes. Here is what I see way too often. I've been doing college ministry for about 15 years. 15 years of having this beautiful 19-year-old girl across the table from me at the coffee shop. We have a lattes in front of us, and we're chit-chatting about all the things. And then she tells me about the boy. This beautiful 19-year-old girl, and she's a total package, right? She makes good grades. She's involved in her sorority. She's just kind. Everyone loves her. And the stinking boy broke her heart. She says, I thought he loved me, but... And that's when I'm like, oh, no. I thought he loved me, but he cheated on me. Or I thought he loved me, but... You fill in the blank, right? I've seen the same thing over and over again. These are the things I'm like... Oh my gosh, girl, have you seen yourself in the mirror? And I have seen him and no, just no, no. What were you thinking? Come on. This is the point when I want to reach across the table and be like, but that would like be illegal, you know, so there's that. And I'm like, okay, I can't strangle you. And oh yeah, I was that girl. I was that girl who was looking for love and all the wrong fraternity boys. Yes, drop that, whatever that was. <laughs> Perfect timing. Looking for love and all the wrong fraternity boys. Somebody knows what that feels like. I did that because I believed a bunch of lies. All right, we ready to unpack this? It's going to get steamy. I believed a bunch of lies. One of those lies I believed is you have to try it before you buy it. I believed that I could just get lots of experience. I wouldn't have said it this way, but I could get lots of experience, and that way I would be a better girlfriend or a better wife one day. Or I didn't fully understand it, I guess, but I knew that I needed lots of boyfriends, or at least that's what I thought I believed. What I understand now is that experience does not lead to exclusivity. Let me explain that a little better. Exclusivity, meaning like just a one-on-one relationship, that's what fuels romance, right? So anytime you see a romantic movie or one of those songs that like just gets your heartstrings, they're saying, you're my only one. I only have eyes for you. You're the only woman in the world for me. All of those cute little romantic things. Don't we want that? Don't we want our boyfriend to see us as the only woman in the world? Don't we want to return the favor? But we're somehow getting confused that we want to get lots of experience or as the wise theologian Taylor Swift said, a long list of ex-lovers, right? The problem is exclusivity is what fuels that romance, 
Okay. Exclusivity, not experience. Here's one thing I know about you. I might not know you personally, but one thing I know about you is you do not want to hear your boyfriend say, Hey babe, I'm a sex expert. Gross. Like, are there a trophy for that? Like, I don't, congratulations. No one wants to hear that. Because here's the thing. He can be an expert on a hundred girls. That doesn't matter because you want him to be an expert on you. Thank you. Exclusivity. One on one fuels is the fuel to the fire of romance, not experience. Experience just makes more comparison. And what we want is to be seen as the only woman in the world. All right. Another lie I believed is a lie of damaged goods. I believed if I made some choices I wasn't proud of, then I just needed to keep going down that road. I believed that, which is the same crazy idea of saying, if I, you know, scratched my finger, I needed to cut my arm off. Like, that made zero, zero sense than what I see now. But what I saw then is if I had made bad decisions, I just need to keep going down that road. Here's the good news, my friends. There are forks in the road every single day. There are forks in the road, and you can decide which way you want to go. I don't care if you were going east your whole life. There is a fork in the road today, and you can decide which way you want to go. Here's also the good news. All of the shame and guilt and whatever happened last semester that you're not proud of, that was nailed to a cross and it's forgotten. It is buried and dead, and we do not need to hold on to that anymore. Okay? So today is a new day. It's a new fork in the road, and you can decide which path you want to take. Damaged goods is a lie from a pit in the hill. One last lie I believed, and this was a really powerful one. I would have told you that sex is like scotch tape. That I could just stick myself to whoever I wanted, whatever weekend I wanted, and it didn't matter because I could just, if it didn't work out, just scotch tape myself to someone else. It turns out the very first time the word sex is ever referenced in our history, it's a Greek word, and it's called ekad. And it translates to binding together at the deepest level. Ekad. So I would have told you that sex is like scotch tape, but what I didn't understand is that it's more like concrete. And if you think about it, it's a good thing in the way it's designed, right? Because in a marriage, if this concrete together, life is going to come our way, right? And weather and storms and things are going to get trampled on, but it is okay because you're bonded for life in this akkad, this binding together at the deepest level. But if you've ever gone by a construction site on the highway and you've seen the hard hats and the dust that's thrown up from the torn up concrete and the pieces here and the pieces there, you know that torn up concrete is a big hot mess, which sounds a lot like somebody's freshman year. Am I right? All I'm telling you is I did not understand that sex has a much higher and more sacred view than what I thought it was. And our society does not favor that, right? This is very countercultural. Our society will tell you no strings attached. It doesn't matter whoever, whenever. But I think there's a much more sacred, higher view of it than what we lead on. Y'all still good with me? That was some heavy stuff. Woo! Now, we're going to get into some fun, fun stuff. 
What I didn't understand why I believed a lot of those lies is because I did not have a plan. When I see back at that coffee shop is this beautiful girl crying into her latte. Here's the thing. I never, ever once heard a girl say, you know, I'm really looking for a guy who never shows up for class. He has bad BO and he cusses at his mama. <laughs> never once heard a guy, heard, heard a girl looking for that. But I've seen girls dating that because I think if they don't have a plan, here's the fun part, you guys. We're going to make a dating plan right here tonight. We're going to make a dating plan. We're going to make an interactive one. And then you guys are going to make your own one. Let me show you what that looks like. All right. I have a handy dry erase board. I bring this with me to every school I go to. And this is my favorite part of the message. I want you to define for me, give me adjectives of what your dream guy looks like. If you had a plan, if you had a dream. Now, before you throw out adjectives, hold on. Tall, dark, and handsome is important. I get it. But when you are 30 and you are covered in baby spit up and you cannot remember the last time you washed your hair, what are the characteristics of the guy beside you? Give me Loyal? Funny, these are good. Loving, respectful. Give me three more. Generous, okay. Say servant. One more. We got loving. Woo! She said he loves Jesus. Yes, sister. He sounds hot. All right, he sounds really hot. This is exciting. (laughs) I like this exercise because I think that so few women actually take a moment to decide what is important. What am I looking for? Because here's the thing. An architect makes a plan before he builds a building, right? A business person makes a plan before the next fiscal year. Why are the most beautiful women on the planet walking into a dating relationship with no plan? So we just did that together and that was super fun. Now you get the opportunity to go to this website and it will take you like, we're going to take a four minute intermission and you get to make your very own dating plan. And it's emailed to you directly when you're done. And then when you're done, you have a list and you can tattoo it to your forehead or whatever you need to do to not forget what matters to you. This is the part of the talk where I have the girls take an interactive quiz called my free dating plan. You can find it yourself at bit.ly slash my dating plan. That's bit.ly slash my dating plan. This is just a fun interactive quiz. It has some like funny things on there, but you define what's mandatory, what's not important, or really just what matters most to you in a dating relationship. It is time to make a plan. How's everybody doing? Are we done? Is he super hot? You made a list of what matters to you. Now you know. Now you know what matters. And I hope that you take that to heart. And just next time this guy asks you out, he might be great. And I hope he is. But if he doesn't meet your list, be like, deuces, homie. All right? Deuces. All right, let's set our phones down. we got a little bit more fun to happen. All right? You ready? Yay! I like it when you talk back to me. Awesome. Okay, so I hear the pushback already, right? 
Like, okay, Katie, this is a cute idea, but what if I have these high standards and what are the guys going to think, right? Well, in the writing of this little book here, I interviewed guys and I actually stumbled upon this article from the Good Man Project, the Good Man Project, a very popular online magazine, and he is talking about this very subject. He says, ladies, If you really want men to stand up and become the real men you talk about, you must demand it. I'm not saying ask for it. I'm not saying hope for it. I'm saying demand it. What does that mean? It means if you don't settle for anything less. It means if you aren't satisfied, you walk away. Men will rise up and meet your challenges. I promise it is what we do best. We love it when women make a step up and work. The part about this that you won't like is the part I'm going to have to say five times because it is that important. If a man is not rising up, you must be willing to walk away. You must be willing to walk away. You must be willing to walk away. Somebody needs to turn to your partner and say, you must be willing to walk away. Yes, tell that girl next to you. Yes. You must be willing to walk away. I actually just had the chance to give this... Y'all good? Y'all are good. I like it. I like the interaction. (laughs) I actually just had the chance to give this talk at a school in eastern Kentucky, and I had a girl message me on Instagram. She said that during this talk, she decided to break up with her boyfriend that was not treating her well, a relationship of four years. Yes? Right? I know, I was so proud of her because she realized she was worth fighting for. She did have standards that she didn't want to compromise. Here's another hard question, girls. Does this list describe you? Oh. I know. Because I would have told you when I was 18, I wanted this great Christian leader who could tuck in our babies at night, who was responsible with money, and all the things. Meantime, I was blowing all my money at the mall, dressing suggestively, and dancing on the daggum bar. Like, what the heck? So if this is the guy you're looking for, are you these things? Okay? Because a fisherman will tell you, you use certain bait to attract certain fish. This guy is looking for this girl. Okay? Y'all still friends with me? (laughs) All right, I got one more pushback. Here's what I hear when I give this talk. Well, Katie, this is cute. It's interesting that the guys say that. But what if I never get married? This is what I see from this side of the fence. I see this beautiful 19-year-old girl who's worried that she's not going to get married. And I'm like, first of all, you are 19. I seriously need to rock you to sleep at night. You are so young. (laughs) Why are you worried about this, first of all? Number two, do we hear that men want to rise up and chase your heart? Isn't that what every romantic movie is about? The men like chasing and pursuing your heart? And number three, I am almost, well, I just turned 40 years old. I did the math on this because I get this question a lot. I looked at all of my Facebook friends. There is a 0.002% that will you will not get married. I did the math on it, assuming we all have the same amount of friends. 0.002% chance. However, there is a much greater chance that you will settle, and I have a lot of friends who are fighting custody battles on their second and third marriages, okay? I think that what we want is to raise that bar higher and not settle. I have an example of someone who did just that.
Here is some friends of mine in real life. These are some friends we met in Statesboro, Georgia, Adrian and Keller. I love this story because it's a real life example of a girl who had high standards and did not compromise. Adrian was approaching her senior year and had not found a boyfriend. And by the way, she wasn't dead. <laughs> she did not die because she did not have a boyfriend her senior year. <sighs> had to point that out. She had high standards. Yes, she dated a few guys. But as she got to know them better or for whatever reason, she realized they did not make her list. They did not make her standards. So before anything got too serious or compl complicated, they'd break up. She knew what she wanted, and she did not compromise. Meanwhile, Keller, this guy, by the way, my husband is the handsome guy in the center. <laughs> Keller approaches Brian, my husband, at church one day, and he says, I'm in my senior year in college. I want to be a godly man for a wife one day, and I don't even know what that looks like. Can you help me? Brian's like, I'd love to mentor you. I have a friend. We meet every morning, every Wednesday morning at Chick-fil-A before work at 6 a.m. My husband's like, I'll probably never see him again at 6 a.m. <laughs> but to his surprise, Keller showed up. Every Wednesday for an entire semester, he hung out with two guys early in the morning and learned what it looks like to come home and tuck your girls in at night, to be a prayer warrior for your family, to work hard to provide for your family, to have safeguards on your computer so all that filth doesn't come into your home before you even have kids big enough to lose the remote. Before you even have kids, you want those safeguards so you don't have stuff coming into your brain like that. Guys with high level of integrity, Guys who were a great example for this guy. As you can tell, it worked out well for Keller and Adrian. But what I want you to hear from all of that is Adrian had standards that she did not want to compromise. She didn't say, oh, well, you know, he meets some of them, but it's, I'm just going to pretend like he went to church that one time with his grandmother. The point is she had high standards and she did not compromise them. She didn't say, oh, I'm afraid I won't get married. She didn't ask, well, what if it never works out? She said, is my God big enough? Because here's the thing I know. Has anyone ever worried that the earth would make a complete rotation? I, never, I don't lose sleep over that. Has anyone ever worried that the sun would rise in the morning? No, but we worry to death that we won't find our Prince Charming. It turns out your God can handle that. Okay, guys? Here's a story I am excited to share with you. I don't usually get to share this part in my presentation, but this is a story that changed my life, and I hope it's going to change a life in here tonight. It is the story of the woman at the well. So if you don't know this story, it's in John chapter 4. It's a woman who was brokenhearted. We'll just say she was a woman who was married five times, and she was doing spend-the-night parties with a guy she wasn't married to. Okay? That is not exactly applauded in today's culture, and it was even a hundred times worse back then. She had to go to the well, which is like an, a modern-day bar or modern-day coffee shop. I say that because it's a gathering place. It's where people meet and people talk every day. And she went in the hottest part of the day because she didn't want anyone to talk about her because they all did. Like, oh, there she is. They all had spread rumors about her. Like, oh, there's the girl, you know, the girl with all the boyfriends. Here's the thing. She was not only married five times, that means she was broken up with or divorced five times. And not only that, when you're a divorced woman in that culture, you can't buy property. You can't have a job. You can't provide for your kids. You can't do anything if you're a divorced woman, not to mention five times. 
The way I see this woman is she was so desperate to feel that she was pretty, to feel that she was loved. She kept thinking, if only I said this right, if only I worked harder, if only I could just make my face better, if only I could be all the right things for all the wrong guys. She goes to the well at high noon. She was the girl from the wrong side of the tracks, a Samaritan woman with a very questionable reputation. Jesus, a guy who was a rabbi, which is like a rock star in this culture, a man, a Jewish man. So this is like the complete opposite. I don't even know how to explain it in today's culture. It was like the most opposite of human beings. He breaks all cultural barriers and meets her at this well. Here's the crazy part. The longest recorded conversation with Jesus in scripture is here at this woman at the well. That's crazy because Jesus talked with disciples and his mama and all these other kings and religious leaders. But the longest recorded conversation in scripture is with a heartbroken girl. When I heard this story, it was to me. I was that heartbroken girl who kept thinking, if only I could be this for this guy. If only I could somehow just earn his love. If only he looked at me the way I want him to. And Jesus says, well, friend, you are trying to fill your broken places with another sinful human being. Even the best guy, which if you hold on tight, I will give him to you. But even the best guy cannot feel those broken places. He's just a man. He's just a man. And he says, I come to give you eternal water so you'll never thirst again. That was the line that was like, blow in my mind. Like, eternal water? You mean there's a, there's a way to like not feel this thirst inside of me, to feel this broken places, to get off this hamster wheel of trying and trying and trying and never being enough for all these guys or, or popular enough or whatever it is enough and yet somehow too much at the same time. You know what I mean? And Jesus says, I come to give you eternal water so you'll never thirst again. I'm not making this up. My very first prayer, I was very unchurched as a kid. <laughs> and I heard this story as a senior in college. I was living the crazy, you know, sorority girl life. I hear this as a senior in college and I think, oh my gosh, I don't know what eternal water is. And I'm praying in my apartment. I said, but God, can I have a keg of it? my very first unfancy prayer, but he met me right there. And that is when things changed for me. And that's when I realized, huh, maybe the guy at the bar who's sloppy drunk, maybe he's not what I'm looking for. Maybe my life has to start changing. And it did. And a lot of things started losing their appeal. And I became a totally different person. And it turns out I attracted a totally different person than what I was used to dating. I was used to dating guys who Oh, goodness gracious. Y'all know. (laughs) No, didn't even know what integrity was. Didn't treat me well. All the horrible things. And then my husband has extremely high levels of integrity. The most honest human being I've ever met. Such a good, you know, just partner in life. And I realize now maybe raising those standards and becoming who I was looking for is looking for. Maybe it all makes sense. Here's one thing I know for sure. My parents were Greek 45 years ago at Valdosta State University. My mom was a Zeta. Any Zetas? All right. Woohoo to the Zetas. <laughs> and my dad was a KA. Woohoo to the KAs. Or not. That's fine. 
My mom was a Zeta and my dad was a KA 45 years ago. 45 years ago. Do you know what the theme music, so to speak, on Greek Row was? Shocker. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And don't tell me it's any worse today because in the 70s, it was the height of the free love and marijuana movement. You know what I'm talking about? You've seen the pictures of the 70s, right? (laughs) Yeah. 45 years of sex, drugs, and rock and roll on Greek Row. All I'm saying is I think we're ready for something new. What if today's sorority women decided to raise the bar in dating? What if they decided to take one social, one semester, and took it to their community and served their socks off? What if they realized their trend-setting power and made trends that were bigger than just a few t-shirts? All I'm saying is this could take on. Y'all are the biggest trendsetters the world has ever known. What if you guys decided to make a few of these things powerful? The way we've done things isn't working anymore. Today is a new day, and I'm excited Every sorority girl I've ever met, it's almost like you can see this eagerness within you. Like you're, you're the generation who wants better, who is like, almost you just need a permission slip. Consider this your permission slip. It is time for something new on Greek Row, guys. All right. I'm not the first to have this dream. Who knows who this is? My 80-pound girl, say it. Eugenia. Eugenia Tucker Fitzgerald. It has a nice ring to it, don't you think? Eugenia. Okay. The reason I have this here, because this is the very first sorority woman. I am not the first to have this dream that sorority women are better than just cute t-shirts. <laughs> this woman wrote down some beautiful dreams of sisterhood. Here's the deal. In 1851, there was no Google search bar. There was no book, How to Start a Sorority. You know where she went for the blueprint of the very first sorority? The 15th Psalm and the Bible on her bedside table. That's not the only sorority founded on Christian principles. Almost all, a lot of them are, actually. If you do not know your motto and creed, that is your homework tonight. Know what those letters mean. Know what your founding sisters dreamed of. I have read almost all your creeds, and they are beautiful. You can almost smell and taste the tears of your founding members as she dreamed up something so beautiful. Sisters who support each other and lift each other up. Have an example this hits a little close to home with my girls. These are our daughters, Hannah and Ava. Hannah is the dark hair, and Ava's our blonde. This is when we first moved to Chattanooga, Tennessee, and we went to Rock City. Anyone been to Rock City? Okay, a few of you, yes. So we went to Rock City. We're doing the tourist thing in our new town, and we're kind of leaving the park. It was a long day. It's getting hot, and we're like, that was fun. We're done, you know. And as we're leaving, Ava, our youngest, spots a rock wall. And she is like part monkey. She loves rock walls. And she's like, oh, mom and daddy, can I climb? And we're like, we're ready to be done, you know, whatever. And we're kind of like brushing her off. Well, before we get to say no, she sees the sign that says, if you climb to the top and ring the bell, your second climb is free. So she go ahead and ask the attendant, if I climb to the top and ring the bell, can my sister climb for free? We're like, oh, dang, that's sweet. So now we got to pay for it. Fine. So we get the money out. She gets harnessed in. She gets all up, and she climbs to the top of the wall. No surprise there. She's part monkey, you know, did it in two minutes flat, gets up there, rings the bell, comes down, and it's sister's turn. Now, Hannah, our oldest, would rather be reading a book than doing anything that requires sweating. (laughs) She's not, like, a super athletic but it's her time to climb the rock wall. She's like, I'll give it a try. 
So a few climbs and she falls, a few climbs and she falls. And the park attendants are like, it's fine. There's not a line. Just let her keep trying it. Same thing keeps happening a few times. Meanwhile, we're like, you know, chatting with our friends, getting this whole situation is going on. (laughs) And then the magic happens. They let her have one more try. And Ava, our youngest daughter, is on the floor. And she's like, Hannah, don't look down. I need you to put your right hand here, your left foot there. Keep going. And so she does. And she puts a foot here and a hand there. And she gets a little bit further. Next thing I know, Hannah's about this high. She's never gotten that far on the rock wall. Little sister's going, I believe in you. One more step. Put your right hand here and your left foot there. Don't look down. You got this. I believe in you. She keeps going. She keeps going. And then the attendant is like, oh, look at this. Little sister is cheering her along. Our friends start paying attention. Hannah, don't look down. Keep going. Right foot here. Left foot there. Keep going. One step at a time. You got this. I believe in you. Hannah makes it all the way to the top and rings the bell. And I'm crying like a baby. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And what I saw through that whole little example is just sisters who believe in each other, you know? Like, isn't that what all of our sisters believed in? Is this iron sharpening iron. The sisters who say, girlfriend, it is time to walk away from that guy. Girlfriend, I will not let you have another crown and coke tonight. (laughs) Friend, I will not let you change your major again because I know you need to do this with your life. Friend, I know you want to write that book, and you need to. Stuff like that. That is sisters who hold each other up. And I think that we're not too far gone from that. So now you know why I'm tying this all together for a yoga pose at the end. It's time to do a yoga pose. Don't worry. I'm not going to make you stand on your head. All right. Here's what it's going to look like. We're going to do tree pose. Most of you know what that means. You're just going to ground down in your left foot. Put your right knee above. I can't do it in hills. Above or underneath your knee, just not on your knee. Yeah. And then put, put your arms above your head. Nice. Okay. Beautiful tree poses. Beautiful. All right. Keep holding it. Keep holding it. Now, if you're still rocking your tree pose, close your eyes. It gets a lot harder. No cheating. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, yogi rock stars. Don't sit down yet. We got one more. You can come out of that one. Good job. It gets a lot harder when you close your eyes, right? Okay. Same thing, other side. Ground down in your left foot. This time, link arms with the sister. Yes. So everyone is linked arms. Yes. My audio cut out right here, but the kicker of this whole little yoga experiment is as they are linking arms with the sister, even when they close their eyes, even when they lose their focus, when you have the support of your sisters, you never fall. If you would like me to bring this message to your school, I would be honored to do so. All the information can be found at katiebulmer.life slash speaking. If you have already graduated or know someone in a different college who could use this message, I would love your help spreading the word. I limit my events to 10 speaking events per semester, so I have about three left for fall semester, and I'm already booking for spring semester as well. So I'd love to talk about this with you, and I truly just want you to unlock your inner world changer and realize there's such 
cooler, more exciting, more empowering ways to do Greek life. Hey, if you love this episode, well, I'd love your feedback. Head on over to iTunes or Spotify or wherever you stream your podcast and leave a review. Reviews help us know what you love, what topics you want covered next, and help others to find us. Hey, speaking of which, if you have a friend in mind who could really benefit from today's show, take a screenshot, like right now, of this episode, share it on your Insta story, and give me a tag so I can thank you. I'm at katiebulmer.life, and we really appreciate you spreading the word. Thanks so much for joining us today on Truth For Your 20s.